is in verse 31, we see that Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, similar to last week. Um, This time, thankfully, no one tries to kill him or drive him out of his own town. Um, But it says that they were amazed at his teaching. Why were they amazed? Well, if we look in verse 31, or 32, sorry, it says, they were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. Jesus' words have power. They've got authority. Secondly, in the second snapshot of his day, we see that Jesus heals a demon-possessed man. We've seen it. Um, well, we've seen the, the person with the impure spirit. Um, this man was possessed by an impure spirit. And um, this is the first public miracle we see in Luke 4. Um, again, if we read verse 33, we see that in the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Um, here we have a man completely gripped by evil. Um, and with just a word, Jesus is able to set this man free. All he does is speak. And again, in verse 36, we see, we see the response of the people. We've seen it in the drama. I don't know if you remember. We've seen the, the guys being like, what, really? He's just done that? He's just drove out an impure spirit. You must imagine how this guy, I think Carl, we called him in the drama, must have felt. We don't know how long he's been possessed by this spirit. But no special formula, just a few words, and this man is healed. I don't know if we remember, but last week we've seen that, um, that, G- that one of the things Jesus came was to uh, set the prisoners free. And here we have a man imprisoned by a demon-possessed spirit. And with just a few words, um, he's been healed. I think as we read this in Luke's Gospel, and um, we, like the people of Capernaum, are supposed to be amazed by it. And um, we're supposed to be amazed by the incredible uh, power and authority of Jesus here. The third, uh, third snapshot, we see Simon's mother-in-law has a fever. And we've seen Joe playing the role of that. She was lying down. And this, this is a fever now. This is quite life-threatening. It's not like the cold your dad gets and he thinks he's about to die. Um, but with, with, the, with no medical attention, this fever would have potentially killed this woman. So what does Jesus do? Well, again, we see he just uses words. Uh, he rebukes the spirit. Uh, sorry, he rebukes the fever and the fever just goes away. Again, no special medicine, no special formula. Just words. At this point, we're probably thinking, wow, is there anything that Jesus can't do? And we know from the passage that words started to spread around about Jesus. Verse 37, it says, and the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. I think if we can just picture, if this was today in Manchester, um, you know, he'd be the talk of the town. He'd be on every newspaper. We'd be chatting about him at school. Um, He'd be trending on Twitter, Instagram. We'd be watching him on YouTube. We just couldn't get enough of this man and these powerful words that he's been talking about. And as we look on down, I'm just going to read it again because it's wonderful. What a picture of Jesus' power. Uh, verse 40, if you're following. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of illness and laid his hands on each one. He healed them. We just, we just, I think if we just put ourselves in the feet of the people of Capernaum, there must have been a pretty incredible scene. You know, people rounding up their friends and families, come and see Jesus. Come and hear his words. Come and be healed by this wonderful man. We don't have to look far to see illness and disease in society today, both personally and close with our families. And on the news, we see the spread of illness so devastating. But for as many illness that were brought to him, uh, every illness was cured. Just a word, just a touch, such power. And as we read on, we've seen that towards the end of the drama that um, Jesus had actually disappeared. They were like, come back, where have you gone? So where has Jesus gone? Well, if we hold on to that thought, we're going to have a little song, and once we come back, we're going to find out where Jesus went to. 
Brilliant. Thank you, guys. Um, so we've seen, uh, firstly, that Jesus' words have great power. Um, and now we're going to see the priority of Jesus' word in the second half. Um, so we, we've just had Jesus healing lots of people. Uh, people are wanting to come to him, but he's disappeared. We're not quite sure where he's gone. So let's look at verse, verse 42 to see where Jesus has went. Um, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, um, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Um, so Jesus has gone to a solitary place. What we mean by that is just somewhere where he's gone to get some of his own time. He often does this in the Gospels, and it's often to pray. We don't hear that here, but he's probably just gathering his thoughts. A lot's been going on for Jesus in the past uh, day. Um, and I don't know about you, but this is pretty odd behavior. Um, I don't know if you remember, but last week when Paul spoke to us, they actually drove Jesus out of his hometown and wanted to kill him, wanted to throw him off a cliff. But this time they actually embrace him. They want him to stay. You can just picture it. You can picture the desperation when we've seen the drama. Jesus, stay. We've got lots more people that need healed. But yet, despite them embracing him, Jesus wants to leave. Why does he want to leave? Well, again, if we look at verse 43, Jesus is pretty clear on that. He says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. This was his God-given mission. His mission wasn't, you know, to come and heal people, um, to drive out demons. And of course, that was great stuff. And that really showed, just as Joe said, that this guy wasn't just an ordinary man, but he was the son of God. Um, But his mission was to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, that good news is what we've seen last week, to free, free the prisoners, to give sight to the blind, um, to those who don't yet know Jesus, to help transform their lives. Notice there's no hesitance in, verse, in verses 43. He doesn't say, oh, should I stay? There's a few more people I need to heal here. No, he says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. Um, he knows his mission, and his mission will not change. His priority of teaching the word will not change. Um, now, where does this land for us? I know it's all well and good hearing this, and it's, maybe you're thinking, how can this, these powerful words help me when I'm at school? How can it help me when I'm at work? Well, I think I've got two challenges and one encouragement as we draw to uh, draw their close today. I think the first challenge is, do we really believe uh, that God's word has this much power? Um, a little bit of a personal example, I've got a really good friend, Chris, and I grew up with him at school. Uh, we went to uni together, and he still lives in Manchester, so we're still very good friends. Um, he's not a Christian. Um, he doesn't quite believe the claims of Jesus. And we've had lots of conversation. And he's a smart guy. He's a lot smarter than me. And sometimes I get caught up in trying to be clever. Sometimes I get caught up in trying to say the right thing or invite the person the right way. Um, and I think it's hard to let Jesus' uh, words do the work in, uh, in those situations. And I know it's hard for many of you here today, young people uh, and old. Um, it's difficult to put the trust in Jesus' words and not our own. And um, the second challenge, I think, is, is are we prioritizing God's word? Um, you know, we, we're all coming to church. We've maybe got our home group, um, our youth group, pathfinders, platformers. Are we coming ready to listen to God's word? Are we prioritizing it? Are we maybe going to bed um, at a good time so we can get up and read God's word the next day? If that's when you do your quiet times. This, I know this will look very different um, for each person. Um, and then in the encouragement, I think, um, again, we've touched on it a little bit, is it's Jesus' words that have the parts, not ours. Um, and I just tried to make this a bit real for you guys here at school. Maybe you've got a CU that you go to. Um, for guys at work, maybe you've got a ministry to business event or another gospel event. Um, you know, just bringing someone along to that event has great power. When the Bible's opened and God's word is read, that's got a great effect on people's lives. 
Um, it's not necessarily what we say uh, or a fancy way of inviting them. Um, so from today, we've seen that Jesus' words have power. We've seen that his words need to be prioritized. So we'll be listening to these words and we'll be prioritizing them each day. Uh, I'm just going to close in prayer and then I think we're going to have a song. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much um, for what we've just read in Luke's Gospel. Uh, we thank you that you are a powerful God and we thank you that we see here that your words have power. And we thank you that you just weren't any man, but you were able to have, uh, uh, you were able to conquer sickness and ill health. Uh, we thank you so much. Uh, we pray that as we uh, go to our schools and our CUs and our work in the next few days, that we will be prioritizing your word and leaning on the power of your words. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen.